0: You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of After Impact. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am joined by the legend doctor doctor <laughs> i was gonna call you a doctor i, I just got upgraded. upgraded agent smith <laughs> or wait which agent's kind of dope so uh, yeah, i'm not, I'm not sure I, that it yeah. would have been an upgrade to be honest yeah, So no, i was about I was... to downgrade you well thank you Doctor M- Smith,
0: mr bill you um thanks for having me dude for shwazy and because you have news for
1: us that was what threw me off my game <laughs> that is what totally fucked me up that's
0: here. right well this is after impact the show where we unpack the impact of this week's episode with brian johnson indeed but before we go into that with the why a little news to share about myself Um, this will be one of my last after impact episodes unfortunately very sad to say because i'm moving to the bay area leaving los angeles and unfortunately leaving the great visionary incredible company that is impact theory
1: yeah man everyone here is i think crestfallen is the only (sighs) right word like legitimately heartbroken I'm so excited for you and I know that you guys are amped to move and that's amazing but selfishly I am crestfallen
0: yeah I'm sad to go to it's uh it's one of those things you know my wife and I did not see coming but um sometimes those curveballs come your way and you just you just got to swing at them I guess I hear it so she got an amazing opportunity to go and work um up in Silicon Valley at a really interesting company and um you know she just she needed to pursue that dream and i want to support that so we're respect gonna, we're gonna go for it respect get after it dude everybody needs to uh to chase their dream and do what they love
1: and i have no doubt that you will end up somewhere amazing um, thank you and they will be very very lucky to have you that and i mean that super sincerely i think you've absolutely smashed it here um, not just as the esteemable co-host on <laughs> After Impact, but truly as an amazing member
0: of the founding team here. You are a rock star. Well, I appreciate that, Tom. It means Absolutely. a lot. And I would just like to say it's been an amazing ride. I've learned so much from you, from everyone on the team. I feel like I've grown definitely professionally in my marketing skills, but also personally. It's just been a very meaningful experience and something that I will always cherish and look back on with fond memories. Amazing, man. Well, thank you. Very kind. And now Brian Johnson do it. All right. My first question is just so Brian Johnson, incredible interview, very interesting. I feel like he's very different from a lot of the guests we've had on the show. Super different. So I want to ask, what was the main reason why you wanted to have him on Impact Theory? You know,
1: that, wow, that's a really good question. It really, it started completely selfishly. And he's somebody that I think is looking at a really, really important problem. He's somebody that dreams gigantically. He's somebody that I want to get to know for sure Mm. and uh, make friends before you need them. I have no idea how that relationship will play out in the future. I just know he's one of those people that I want to know. So that was why. And then when... As we were getting closer to the show and I was researching him, I was like, I find this guy so interesting, but I don't know if the audience will. Yeah. And I don't know if he's going to go somewhere emotional, like mindset-y and like really share that story. And so I didn't know if this was going to be like where I was like geeking out and oh my like, God, this is amazing. And people would like really resonate or if it was going to be a swing and a miss. Um, and I think he absolutely smashed it. And the first Agreed. half of the episode is like really, really intellectual and you get to know Brian Johnson and sort of where he thinks and spends his time. And then the second half was just raw, dude. And yeah. it was so rad. And have you read the comments? Yes. Dude. So cool. People really, really resonated. Yeah. Um, uh, just neat. It shows me how diverse each person, not, not even just collectively, how diverse each individual that is a part of this community really is, yeah. that they can resonate with the broad spectrum of people that we bring on.
0: I was going to bring that up actually, but just a quick comment. Um, I think a lot of our show, we, we talk about mindset. We talk about um, understanding your brain, um, contro- getting in control of your emotions. But I think too, a lot of it comes down to like learning how to think. Mm. And he is a master at sort of reflecting and understanding his own thought processes and then communicating that back to people of what he's done and i think that was a lot of what this episode was about which was really interesting for me but i did see the comments of people saying this um this people were saying this changed the way that i think Mm. That, that was a phrase that kept repeating throughout what do you think it was that really shifted people's perspective he he is a a very um, clear
1: thinker. And because he's a clear thinker, he's able to explain the rules by which he engages with the world. And I think those rules are very helpful for people. And I think the one that probably was the most profound is the notion of assumption stacks. Mm -hmm. Like really understanding that you've constructed this world based on things that you believe, presume, assume, like choose to believe, like all of those assumptions that you have about the way that the world works inform what you see. And I think he just articulates that so incredibly powerfully. And then because he has some really counterintuitive ways of thinking and he illustrates them like with what he did with his kids yeah. and the way that he um, like let them go ride the ATV, which I thought was such a cool story, yeah. uh, I think that people resonate with that and they see how the way that he thinks ends up affecting the world. And one of the things that I found most interesting, and this is like the sort of between the lines thing, is like how he deconstructed his experience in religion and what that meant to build it back up, how he dealt with depression. Like, mm. like you, you see in like these really sort of um, relatable, messy, muddy moments in everybody's life, how he comes out the other side, how he begins to think about it how he concretizes his own approach to that, how his assumption stacks either helped him or hurt him, like, Mm -hmm. and then what it looks like when they fall down and how he rebuilds them. And so I think just his ability to walk people through that in a bunch of different arenas in his life allows people to then start to see like, whoa, what am I doing? What am I bringing to the table? Um, You know, that that not even necessarily help or hurt, but just that I'm not aware that it's a
0: constructed belief. Sure. Can you dive a little deeper into the assumption stacks what he means by that, and then how someone sort of identifies it and takes it apart, and then what what to do with that knowledge when you get the end. For sure. So he had an assumption stack based
1: largely around religion, so he mm-hmm. grows up a Mormon, and he's told, if you just follow the rules, then you have an afterlife that is so beautiful and so amazing, you can't even imagine it, right? right. And he said that was like he loved that and that resonated with him so well because he can follow the rules, right? Like understand what the rules are. Uh, it's all very clear. And I think that he is a very, he's a hyper logical person, meaning like you can just think through, like these are the sort of foundational things that are true, getting to the physics of the human experience. Okay. Just to, to make that my central statement about, um, Thought clarity Mm -hmm. is all about what are the unchangeables and so i think he's very good at getting to that at at having insight into the mechanisms by which he thinks right so it's not a mistake that this guy goes on to found a company around the brain um neural interfaces because just architecturally that's the physics of the human experience yeah and so i think he was drawn to that so take Religion, ah, cool. Religion follows these really clear dictates. As long as I follow these dictates and I get the afterlife. But what do you do as you dive deeper into the human experience and you begin to question whether or not that's real? Mm -hmm. And then once the bottom falls out of that and you realize that it isn't real and you have to rebuild yourself. And so, in that, like, whoa, 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 wait a second. The more that I try to really look at objectively my belief system the more that i realize my belief system is different than the physics of the human experience so these beliefs they are constructed the fact that humans construct belief is physics right there's nothing lower than that mm. but what i have chosen to construct what i have chosen to believe based on where i grew up and what my parents told me and the community that i'm in and all that those are not at the physics level, which is why some people believe in the Bible, some the Quran, some nothing, some atheists, you know, sure. like it because we're not yet at the level of physics. So that collapse then of the assumption stacks of what you think are true, you begin to realize I can make different choices about this. I can look at the world differently and suddenly I will get a very different outcome. My life will be very different. And I I'm. I'm going to try to explain what he was saying about climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm. But because I fear that I don't, that I understand it in my way with my assumptions, and I don't actually understand it from his perspective, I will just caveat all that and say, here's what I heard. So he's, he is in this deep depression, dude, that lasted for like roughly 10 years where he considered killing himself every fucking day. Like, imagine that thinking about killing yourself every day for 10 years. Like that's really, really that's scary. Heavy, yeah. And it was only his sense of like, I am trapped forever because in his religious doctrine, um, I, I think that if you commit suicide, then you go to hell. You still live forever, right. but like it's going to be this horrific version of forever. So, okay, that's a bad idea. And then I have kids, and so if I kill myself, I'm going to totally mess up their lives. So that's a bad idea. So even though he desperately wants out, he said, I wanted to be hit with um, anesthesia so I could just be put out. My soul would just evaporate basically and cease to exist. But his assumption stack didn't allow for any of that. Then, like he's working, he's grinding it out, he's trying to build this company, he's trying to take care of his family, he's trying to become, you know, the best version of himself. Like all these things are the the very things that are sort of chipping away at him. Yeah. And as he then goes to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and I think, what did he have? Like an upset stomach or something? He was just like really ruined. Yeah. yeah. And he was just like, oh God, do I really want to do this? And then the mountain became all of those challenges. And then in climbing that mountain, he realizes that. And this is where now I'm projecting myself into his world because he said, I realized the mountain were my problems. And I think in that, you're boiled down to realizing, and this is why, so announcement, hey, everybody. um, Next week, I'm gonna be doing a five-day fast. So uh, I forget what day that Sunday is, but Sunday at 3 p.m., um, I'm gonna be starting a fast. Do you know what the date is? It'd be really great uh, to yeah, announce look. that. Um, so we'll announce that in a second. So Sunday 25th. at 3 p.m., the what? The 25th, 25th is okay, when Okay, so yeah. Sunday, March 25th, 2018, I'm starting um, a five-day fast. And the reason that I want to do it is I want to encounter myself. And you really only encounter yourself when you're doing something brutally difficult because there you see all the mechanisms that your body uses you to trick you into not living up to what you said you were going to do. And so as he's doing this climb and his body is throwing everything at him, trying to trick him, trying to get him to think differently to, you know, that it's okay, you don't have to do all this. You begin to realize like, everything's an artifice. It's all fake. Like nothing is real except what you choose to be real. And so he chooses to keep going forward. He chooses to believe in religion. He chooses to believe that he's in this never ending cycle, but none of that is necessarily true. And your beliefs get laid bare because a voice in your own fucking head begins telling you that it's all fake. And that you don't need to do this. You don't need to keep marching. You don't need to uphold your end with your kids. You don't this, you don't that, right? And so all of a sudden you realize I have to choose. I've got to decide, does this mean enough to me to keep going? And so he said in that, when he got to the top, his, his assumption, stacks, assumption stacks collapsed. And so in that, like, he had to then rebuild himself. So if everything is a choice, like what am I going to do? Like If my religion isn't objectively real, How do I know to live? Like, what's right? What's wrong? What becomes my filtering mechanism? And in that process of rebuilding brick by brick, choice by choice, belief by belief, you're creating a reality that then has to be based on something, right? And so when you really boil down my message, I'm not speaking for him now, but just by way of example, when you boil my message down, it comes very simply down to the meaning of life is to see how many skills you can acquire that have utility and then put that utility to the test in service of something bigger than yourself. Now, why? Why do I think that's the meaning of life? Because it's the only thing I know that leads to fulfillment. And so fulfillment to me is the physics of the human experience. It is, while it's born of suffering oftentimes, it is the thing that gives you a deep sense of peace and, I mean, fulfillment really is the only right word, but because I think it's, horrible, to use the word in the definition of the word, that I will say it's sustained happiness, that it's a happiness that while you may not be experiencing it neurochemically in those moments that are truly profoundly difficult, there's a deep sense of well-being with who you are and who you're becoming that is not based on what you have done. And so, because I think people get trapped by that, they get trapped by what has happened to them, choices that they've made in the past. And when you see yourself as potential, I can take my potential in an evil direction. I could try to become the next Hitler or I can take my potential in a beautiful direction. And it is my willingness to choose over and over and over again, despite cynicism, despite failure, despite pain and embarrassment. It is my willingness to choose a beautiful direction time and time and time again that makes me the person that I'm gonna be proud of, that I choose to do that. And even if I falter and I choose something stupid that I can in that moment, again, decide that I'm going to choose something powerful. And it is my ability to make that new choice that makes me worthy, that makes me happy. And it's when you really like the more concrete that you make that sense or concrete isn't the right word, the more impervious you make that or the way to make it impervious is to make that decision over and over and over and over and over and over again, right? that you're always just coming back to choosing the beautiful and doing the thing that serves not only yourself but other people, um, that is where fulfillment comes from. And I can give you evolutionary reasons as to why that is, and they're very compelling, but I won't take the time here, but just that is the the physics of the human condition. So that is the core of my belief system. Then from there have blossomed the 25 points of the impact theory belief system that's the assumption stack that you create, but it's it's based on some kernel of something, and for me, that kernel is the deep sense of well-being that fulfillment is. So Brian has something equally important. Um, I'll say watch the episode rather than me try to. I, I already feel that I've hit sort of dangerous ground with trying to capture the very complex and nuanced version of who Brian Johnson really is, um, but tackling big problems, facing something and, and not saying that this problem will solve itself. Um, those are the things that, that obviously make up the core of his belief system.
0: Well, thank you for that. That was the most cogent explanation you've given around uh, belief system and fulfillment and identity. Wow. It was really, really good, so thank you. Man, my pleasure. And I think our listeners will love that. Um, two comments. One, when he said in the episode... I was in this deep depression, and then I went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I was yeah. like, "What? Like, the, <laughs> how did?" Because and we talk so much about the importance of taking action and just moving and doing something. Mm. So I was I was shocked that you know he was able to just go and take action and get himself into a different space, right, to try to confront these things and to overcome them. And it also made me think. The second comment about um, so many of our guests have gone through these transformative experiences when they're going through some sort of physical adversity mm-hmm. right, or challenge. So I'm thinking about David Goggins and his 100-mile yeah. run. I'm thinking about James Lawrence and his 50 tri- uh, Ironman triathlons in 50 in days. 50 days, yeah. So it, it's just it, it's incredible. It's a pattern that we see over and over again. No question. All right, let's switch gears and talk about giving advice. <clears throat> so Brian Johnson says he doesn't like to give advice, um, or he doesn't think that people should give advice. Uh, Did his concept around that and the reasons for it change any of your thinking around the content you're generating here at Impact Theory? No. And it's interesting because I really thought about that. And
1: he's absolutely right. You're handing people your assumption stack. But here's the, the arrogance with which I approach the world. I've worked so hard to build my assumption stacks in ways that are universally empowering. And they come back to my core belief system, which I believe is beneficial for anybody because it's about fulfillment. So because I believe that while it is a wildly distorted assumption stack, they are beliefs that aren't always um, in lockstep with what the entire planet would agree are um, truths, and many of them are intentional, um, empowering lies. But I think if anybody actually adopted what I'm saying, it will not only make their life more fulfilling, it will make the world a better place. Now, maybe I'm wrong, maybe that's just total delusion, but I so believe it that I cannot help but act in accordance with that. I cannot help but want to um, avail anybody who is interested, in fulfillment. I cannot help but avail them of what I've learned. Now, sure. I certainly don't think that I'm at the end of some grand journey. And when I first started putting out content, I was really cognizant to make sure that I um, positioned it that I'll be learning, I'll be changing. And so don't try to latch on to what I say one day thinking mm-hmm. that it will remain true forever because as I get new information, then I'm gonna change. Yeah. But I really, really believe that The main things that I talk about, fulfillment, um, that people need to be the learner. I like building your ego and your identity around that, like they are universally empowering and they don't disempower other people. And, you know, I guess the assumption that I make that that's good, like maybe other people don't see it that way. Mm. Um, But man, I just it is. This is going to sound weird or you're really going to get it. I steer by anxiety. And when I am saying something that is real, that is true, that I just believe it to be right, then I feel totally at ease when I start walking up to the edge of what I know and understand, and anytime I caveat, like even when I said, like I can feel I'm stepping over like where I really understand Brian. And so I don't necessarily want to like keep going. That's me. Like I get this sense of like, "Mm, there's something in here that that isn't even clear enough to me. Mm -hmm. So I should stop now. And so anytime I caveat something, it's because I feel that um, anyone's intuition is there if you've trained it. And if you, Have the clarity, the lack of like noise in your own head to be able to listen to it. So they say that your emotions are your subconscious speaking to your conscious mind. And because the subconscious can process data faster and faster than your conscious mind, it can't speak in language. It has to speak in something else. And what it speaks in is emotion, it's a feeling, Mm -hmm. it's the neurochemistry which travels very, very fast. And so that's my like subconscious mind going, no, no, no. You know what happens when you get into this, where you start faking, you're bullshitting, you're overstepping. Um, or it's just like, you're not even sure yet. So that's when I, I back off. So, um, because of all that, because I have those mechanisms, it's like, I have this core area where I really believe it. And it's bared, um, it's bared out in my real life that I'm, just uber comfortable living there. So I don't argue back with the guest. Like I'm not gonna sit there and try to convince him um, that no, like if you're like what you believe really helps people, it's fine. Uh, I just think that's foolish because it shuts me down from learning. Um, sure. But the
0: honest answer is that no. That's a very long-winded way of saying no. Okay, interesting. Um, I thought that w- would probably be your answer, but also can you comment on you know, his, I think he has a really powerful um, message around Letting, especially with his kids, like letting them figure things out. Essentially, letting them um, run into their own cognitive biases, letting them figure out the risk and reward, and kind of put together their own um, their own methodology, if you will.
1: A fool never learns. A smart man learns from his mistakes, and a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. So, what he's doing, I think, is profound. And I think that giving anyone room to really make mistakes and figure things out and learn things the hard way, it is so potent. And there are a few things that will stick with you longer than making that mistake, grabbing the, um, the spinning thing, whatever those things Mar- are called. Yeah, Mar- I Mar- don't think they're called no, merry-go-rounds, but like carousel. There carousel? you go. Yeah. Grabbing that carousel and it yanks you you know, onto <laughs> your face. Like Which you're, we've all you're, done. Oh, 100%. And you're going to remember that, right? <laughs> yeah so but that's being smart and personally i've benefited so much from people writing down what they've learned mm-hmm. putting it in a book i read that book and some percentage um, i learned from there from what they've gone through and i and, and in sure. those moments i've truly been wise now i think that i've been a fool far too frequently um i probably spent the majority of my life being smart having to fail first um and then figure it out but the times where I've been wise, like I will say that impact theory as a studio is the collision of both smarts and wisdom. And I'm trying to find everyone that can teach me something because the mistakes are so potentially expensive mm. that I, I know it's inevitable that I'm going to learn a lot of it the hard way man, anything that I can learn through wisdom I'm going to take. So um, I I think that Brian points out something really, really powerful and important. But I think if you really get under the surface um, that he not only unintentionally gives advice, he certainly seeks it out relentlessly. And he talked about how he held these dinners for, I think, two years. And he had people come to his house and basically he said, look, I just sold my company for $800 million as the sole owner. And I want to know. Like, what should I be working on? And he said you know, that he got people to tell him all the things that he should be thinking about and how he should be spending his money and all that. And that's seeking advice. It's seeking yeah. wisdom, you know yeah. what I mean? So I, I don't want to belittle his points. I think his point's incredibly powerful. Um, but at the same day, I, I think that all of us should hunger for wisdom. And I don't think that anybody should ever be bashful about saying what they believe to their core, to the core of their being to be true. Um, I just think you have to be careful for as much as I talk on camera, I spend way more time listening.
0: Yeah, definitely. And in the context of parenting, um, I mean, he has some really interesting perspectives there. So if you had kids, would your parenting style be similar? It would be atrocious, and it's why I don't have kids.
1: <laughs> and look, that's, that's sort of true now, and the more I've learned from people, the more I think that I would be willing to let them take risks. But um, I'm I'm really... I. Still really believe, and it was either Aristotle or Socrates, I don't remember, I think it was Aristotle, that said, uh, the only impossible job is raising children. Mm. And children to me seems like the butterfly effect, where, dude, you can have two kids in the same household, and just one takes to it and one doesn't. And your parenting style, like, and I've learned this from our dogs. And (laughs) like, for instance, with um, our first dog, Batman, Mm. he peed on the carpet one time, and I hit him with shock and awe. And literally, the dog was trained in less than 72 hours. Then, Wookiee came along. And that motherfucker just is... She, like, wants to break my will. Like, <laughs> she just... It, it. She just pushes and pushes and pushes and pushes. And it's not that she doesn't understand. It's that, like... I mean, I'm definitely anthropomorphizing, if that's said yep, correctly, yep. this dog, uh, who probably is just riding on a lot of instinct. But you've seen her, like with oh, barking, yeah. right? And trying to stop her barking. And she'll bark and scream and freak out, and, but she knows she's getting in trouble. So then she just immediately goes into her timeout area. So she's barking and screaming as she walks over to timeout. Yep. So she knows the consequence, clearly, but she just can't help herself. She can't help herself. And so uh, when I think about what I really want to be true in my own life... Um, Kids just don't enter into it. Yeah. And for a long time, it was because I thought that I, um, I didn't have the guts to let the kid grab the... Spinning carousel. S- carousel, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I forgot that. Again, so yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, there's a throwaway comment where Brian Johnson says that understanding how cognitively impaired we are as humans is a form of enlightenment itself uh can you help us understand what he means by that yeah so
1: he said that he made the list of the 168 or whatever the number was uh cognitive biases that we all have yeah i really want that list more than i can tell you um but yeah so this is like one of my fundamental things about being a human and why i'm like so hardcore about build your fucking belief system is people just refuse to accept and understand the mind developed over eons to keep you alive that's no longer a real big concern. It's a concern, but it's not real big. Yeah. So you're not about to get eaten by a lion, right? You're getting run over by a car is far more terrifying, but that there's very predictable rules. It's not impossible, but very rare that it's up on the sidewalk or crashes through your living room. So it's like, it becomes very easy to stay alive in our world, but your brain is literally developed first the lizard brain, all the instincts, then the mammalian brain, all the emotions, and then the neocortex, which is like your executive function, the ability to plan for the future and all that stuff. So it's like, dude, you, there, there are so many consequences to that structure, that three layers that, that it happened just by slathering something new on top of the old, but the deepest seated things fear, anxiety, fight, flight, all of that. It is so baked in. <laughs> like you just, you're never going to get away from it. Yeah. So now you have to understand how it works, how to leverage it, how to use it, how to avoid when it needs to be avoided. Like, so all of that stuff is just super, super critical. Give me the actual phrasing of the question again.
0: Um, I just wanted to have you help us understand what he means by that. Yeah.
1: So until you understand that, you, you can't help but be um, victimized by the very architectural structures of your brain. You just can't. And so people take it as truth. And this is like, oh, before Trump came along, this was not a weird statement to make, but like now it's super fucking weird. I don't mind lying to myself. Now, I don't like to lie from a position of not knowing the sort of quote unquote truth or Mm -hmm. accepted wisdom or however you want to think about it. But the reason that I'm so comfortable with that, because this is not an alternate facts thing, this is about saying, The thing that most people think is empirically true actually is not. So vision is the easiest example to give people. So we had Isaac Lidsky on the show. Have we released this episode yet? Not yet. So Isaac Lidsky, upcoming, he's blind, went blind later in life, built these incredible companies. This guy's story is so insane. And what he realized, because he lost his vision slowly over like 10 years, And so he said, the ruse of vision became very apparent to me because he said shapes would appear and I would know exactly what it was, thinking, oh, this is a sink. And then you realize, oh shit, this isn't a sink. It's a urinal. And I've got my hands in a urinal. And he was like, but I I didn't think it was a sink. I knew it was a sink. Mm -hmm. And my vision said, yep, this is a sink. My brain said, yep, this is a sink. And then something would happen because of the way that his vision was fading. And he would realize, oh my God, I've totally misperceived this. And what I thought I knew, suddenly I don't know. And I'm just saying, most people live in a world, they think they know shit and they don't, man. And because they think it is objective truth, they're afraid to quote unquote lie to themselves. But in reality, it's all a lie. It's just one lie. Everyone agrees like this is real. And then in the other one, they don't. So for instance, you can do anything you set your mind to. Okay, well, if you put me up in front of the world and said, hey, everybody vote, can you do anything you set your mind to? Everyone, including me, is going to say no. And yet, that's probably the thing that I repeat to myself the most. Because I, even though I know there is some outer limit, I know that I will stop shy of that outer limit unless I tell myself I can do anything and then let physics, laws of nature stop me, right? The, the very limitation of like, you can't think faster than the neurochemical impulses. Okay, well, I get it, Like that's there's a speed limit in my mind, but I'm not gonna choose to like focus on that, think about it, nothing, I'm not gonna let that weigh into my decision-making, ah. So that's where once you understand the biases that your mind is throwing up, then hopefully you can begin to understand like how you get in your own way. And so I think ultimately, that's all he wants people to understand. You will get in your own way, unless you really understand this stuff and break it down. You can't go around those natural limitations and blocks. And I really believe that the, the central mission of my life is
0: to help people understand that and get out of their own way. That's awesome. Um, let's talk about infinite games. Let me find my question on that. Okay, uh, so infinite games. First, can you just break down the, con- the concept of infinite games and how he talks about it? And then I want to ask for you, is there an end point to impact theory in the sense of the mission. So infinite games
1: versus finite games. A finite game is basketball. It is very clear when the time is up, whoever has the most points wins. Cool, simple rules. We know exactly what a victory looks like. Life on the other hand is an infinite game and there's no winning. There's no one that you could ever get anyone to agree on, oh, this person has won. You know, is it somebody who's deeply fulfilled? Was Mother Teresa the winner? Is it Bill Gates? Is it money? Um, you know, no one's ever going to agree on all of that stuff. So the only thing you can do is hope to continue playing, not die. So that's infinite versus finite games. Um, there. are is really no endpoint to impact theory only because I think based on the architectural structures of our brain, it is inevitable that humans will get in their own way. And so there will always need to be something that is leveraging how humans learn stories um, to deeply internalize lessons and help them get past that. So because there's like this never ending stream of new uh, people into this game of life where you will get in your own way, um, I think that at a minimum, we'll always be creating content so that the I, and I hope that generation after generation after generation, this becomes easier and it becomes a thing that people just um, espouse that every parent is teaching their child something empowering. In fact, the story that Brian tells in the episode about the five monkeys, which is utterly fascinating. Um, I can't remember if it's a real experiment or if it's a thought experiment. I think it's a real experiment where they put five monkeys in a room, you spray them with cold water when they climb up this ladder to grab a banana. And so all five know, oh, we get sprayed. And since they all get sprayed, when one tries to go up, they all pull them down. Take out one monkey, put a new monkey in. So four of them know about the water, one doesn't. When the new one starts scrambling up, oh my God, there's bananas. They all grab them. Replace them one by one until not a single monkey in there has ever been sprayed with cold water and yet they will all stop you from climbing up. So I want impact theory to be the reverse of that, that everyone is just telling you, you can do this. Like it's possible. Here are the beliefs. This is how you have to think. This is how your brain is structured. This is how you get around it. Um, But I, I... don't imagine a world in which we don't need to, to continue that. But you know, look, at the end of the day, I believe the technology is rapidly approaching some sort of singularity, and that I can't even begin to predict what the world's gonna look like actually in 50 years. So this is all sort of make-believe for today, and I just have yeah. to march forward since I can't predict it. Uh, I have to march forward based on some assumption, Uh, And my assumption is that we will always need those stories and things to to help people. But it would be great if somehow magically Brian's company takes off and we can just program this in. Uh, People don't have to worry about it anymore. That would be amazing. Um, But with what I know
0: right now, there's no end. Got it. All right, Uh, last question. What do you think is next for Brian Johnson? Well, Colonel, what he's doing there is
1: um, he literally, it is computer brain interfaces. And when you think about if that works, what you would be able to do. So right now, your eyes are a computer-brain interface, or a, a you know a, a, an interface into your brain. And so if you think of eyes as, as simply giving your brain data, and we don't know. In fact, I'll just tell you right now, what you see before you is not real. Like the the spectrum of light, Jared, that we actually see is infinitesimal. It's like 0.1% of the um, available like radiation spectrum. So we see some tiny fraction, and we think, oh, this is objective reality. When in reality, it's not, right? There's just so much more data. So you can imagine, all of a sudden, you could either read other parts of the spectrum or you could, in VR style, create something entirely new that isn't there. And once, That happens once we're able to speed up the rate of um, growth of our intellect. First of all, that just becomes a game changer. Second, you'll be able to feed data points into your brain that are based on um, just what you can imagine or create in a computer. Anything that can be turned into zeros and ones, binary code, um, suddenly can be processed by your brain. So I mean, it's just, dude, the, the changes that are coming Like when I even think how much I sort of just shut myself down to like not trying to worry about actually predicting what this looks like, um, the average person just is not thinking about what's about to happen. And it's going to happen fast and it's going to be weird and it's going to be disruptive and beautiful and terrifying, all in equal measure. So Brian is literally the nexus of what's happening with humans i don't think anybody's as far along as he has uh he is there are other people doing it elon musk is now in the fray there's some other companies i think calico might be messing with this as well but um he was really the first mover and so it'll be interesting to see like how far he can take it
0: yeah and it sounds like from the episode and just based on you know what your um what your thoughts are on what he's doing that you know it's very hopeful that brian is sort of at the vanguard of all of this no question. Yeah. That's it for After Impact today. Awesome, guys!
1: Thank you so much for joining us. And knowing that we only have um, a small handful of episodes left <laughs> with our good friend Agent Smith here, um, this this is sad but exciting. And I have thoroughly enjoyed um, all of this. And, and we have more episodes. Uh, don't yeah. be surprised. You know, we've still got some weeks here um, left, but. Um, The beginning of the farewell process has begun. (laughs) So guys, remember these episodes are special. I hope you're enjoying them as much as I am. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.